The process is black and white, where two friends examine the trials and tribulations of starting their individual businesses with their cultural differences and similarities, along with whatever else accompanies them on their journey. Each week, they will discuss a few chapters from books that will transform you from being a wantrepreneur to an entrepreneur. Here's Vernon and Devin. Good morning, Vernon. Good morning, Devin. So this is uh, the you know day after Halloween. It's on a Sunday night. Um, any thoughts? What what are you? What what type of Halloween guy are you? Not a Halloween guy, not a holidays guy, mostly a Grinch, I would say, for like all <laughs> holidays across the board. But I will say that um, it's interesting that Halloween, you know, we're listening to Seth Godin right now, and it, it's interesting, he's always talking about the ratchet, right, and how we, we turn stuff up to, mm -hmm. to 11 all the time. It's interesting how Halloween decorations are the new Christmas decorations, like people go all out for Halloween now. And uh, it's just an interesting observation. How about you? Yeah, I agree with that observation. Um, although it's, you know what it is? And maybe it's just the times that we're living in. It's funny because I feel like people don't decorate at all as well on Halloween. There's like this weird, there's like this, this big old canyon that's in between like the 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 Halloween nutso who's like, you know, they they keep adding a piece every year. I got these neighbors across the street from me that like every year they add to their Halloween decorations. And I mean, I should take a picture and send it. Their decorations are crazy. Like they got like uh, a full like eight foot witch that like not like a blow up, but like this actual like eight foot witch that stands in front of their yard holding a pot. Yeah. We you got know, some of them in our yeah. neighborhood. Smoke's coming out of the pot. They, like every year, I look at them. I'm like, "Oh, you added another piece," and and so they 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 totally revamp their Halloween decorations. Then I got a neighbor on the other end that does an actual haunted house at their house. You know, kind of makeshift haunted house, but for the kids or whatever. And then I got people who could care less. I got you know like. No longer are the days where you like just kind of halfway get involved. You know, remember like Christmas, everybody would just put up some lights, like something. You you got it. You do sure, something. Yeah, dangle yeah. some lights. Yeah, now dang, be about it. yeah, you do something. Now, it's like you're those people who just do something. They've now crossed to the to the side of like uh, the hell with this. You know what I mean? Like like the hell with this like i'm you know <laughs> they're out they've opted yeah, out they've opted out they're just like ah, not this year you know, i don't think when we were kids maybe it was just because we were kids and our perspective was was different but i don't think you could opt out i think you just well now i i remember that houses sometimes wouldn't have lights yeah. you know they would they would turn the lights out and it meant don't go to that house but i like i think most people just had all they had was a pumpkin they had one little thing, like a little pumpkin. The light yeah, was pumpkin. on. That's what I remember. Door was remember, open yeah. and the light was on. Like, you know, something like that to, to let people know, oh, you can come in. Yeah. You can come to it. knock on our door. But there were some, I think there were some houses where the light was out and you would ignore them. Yeah. But I don't remember them because I didn't, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Feels like nowadays it's like lights are out on full streets sometimes. Oh yeah, there are definitely like, but then the but then you go to the next block over, and, and it's, it's like, like Halloween paradise all over again. Yeah. yeah. It's 1980 all over again. It's, well, it's, it's like 1980 in the movies. Like it's like a, a version yeah. of Halloween that I didn't grow up with. You know, yes, like Halloween it is, wasn't. Yeah. Yes, it is. You're right. It's 1980s in the movie Halloween. Like, yeah, it's just like every like it's a thousand people. And you're like, what the? Yeah, that's my neighborhood. Yeah. You know, it, 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 it's it's interesting, though. I think we talked off air about it and it feels like maybe it's you can. Bl- hey, we blame social media for everything. Let's why not keep the ball rolling? Maybe you can blame social media for it because of the attention economy, and like people need that shot. People I, need that I, Instagram culture bro, shot. Where look at my house. Listen, <laughs> I don't remember being in my twenties, you know, and even like hearing of a Halloween party. I've never gone to a Halloween party. Now I wasn't like in my twenties. I was a father, and I was you know like my twenties was different. But, like, even, like, my friends, like, my homies, like, I don't remember any of them being like, yo, I'm going to this Halloween party tonight. I'm getting dressed up as, like, John Travolta. And it's like, you know, you can think, like, hey, maybe that's cultural and, you know, just black hair. But nah, not nah, these cause, days. Cause I've never been to a Halloween party. Yeah. And I'm a little bit older than you. And, I mean, I mean, maybe I've been to a Halloween party, but it was a party that was on Halloween and was coincidentally a Halloween party. Yeah. Yeah. This whole like Halloween party nonsense. It's some, it's crazy. That's some new business. That's what I'm saying. Like everybody, everybody on social media is posting a picture of I'm at the Halloween party and I got I'm this costume. Like I've seen people like who I've known for years and be like, yeah, I've never seen you get dressed up on Halloween. And, like I, I've I've you know like that like what like you're in a costume. And it's now it's like it's you know that that Instagram uh, uh, story shot the post you know and all of that good stuff and they're like on their third Halloween party of the year and it's like what the hell like it's the, it's that attention economy man that like you you know costume sales got to be up just on a, my wife bought my wife bought Halloween pajamas for her and my daughters so they could watch scary movies in Halloween pajamas like. The fact that Halloween pajamas exist, like, like the, the Christmas, just like Christmas pajamas, you know, Christmas pajamas are. Yeah, you know, like, I don't have any part of Christmas. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> How Christmas pajamas are, now they have Halloween pajamas. So that, like that, that has, I don't, that's got to be new, I would think. I but think the, it's new. But the fact that they exist, like. Halloween pajamas? Wow. I don't know. I you know, I think that Halloween is I, I think right now it's undervalued. Like I, I think it's only gonna get bigger from yes. where it is right now. Like I think it's about I think we're on the precipice of, of crazy Halloween. Like if I had to Damn. predict the future, people are gonna go way more insane. I'm gonna double down on you. Halloween will overthrow Thanksgiving before our lifetime is up. And this is my theory. This is my theory, which I'm sure you can catch on as well. It's two things. Social media will drive Halloween to being a very, very integral, you know, time of the year where people get to dress up and show off their costumes. Mm -hmm. But also Thanksgiving is dying already due to 
all of the things tied in with the pilgrims and the Indians and the and, wow. the, and the genocide of of the Native Americans, not Indians, sorry, Native Americans and all of that, all of that stuff. As the generations wow. of kids that look like you that are being born and being more and more woke every every generation, how uh, Thanksgiving will eventually become a thing that I think in this country, it's, a, it's going to be only a handful. They're going to change it. It's going to be, it's going to turn into something else. And huh. it's, it's, it's going to happen around that time. But like Columbus Day went to, uh, what is it called? Uh, 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 indigenous people. Indigenous Day. peoples or whatever. Yeah, Indigenous Peoples Day. Thanksgiving is going down that way of the dodo point. all right that all right I, I, let, let's uh let's check in around episode like <laughs> 2030 you know exactly. we'll see we'll see where we end because it's uh you know it's an interesting sort of reflection on culture and what we're i, I mean i guess to to, to do it like a, a walk to the book in this week's chapters mm -hmm. right it's a it applies it's a pretty yes. it's a culture and status right like he talked all about status in in this week's chapters and uh, yeah, man, I think I think a lot of that stuff that people are doing with the the Halloween decorations, the like, look at my kid dressed up, look at me at this Halloween party. A lot of that is people like us do things like this, which is like you know his favorite thing to say. And I, I, it's such an insight. That's such an insight, and it's so obvious and silly. And you think like, man, that really is it. People like us do things like this. Yeah. Um. No, it's it's and it's something to pay attention to. If you are, you know, thinking about starting something, is Halloween might be a great area to start. You know what I mean? To start at, like it, it that might be where you need to begin Halloween because it's growing, and what you what we can see is that it it is now being used as a way to you know show your status, show that hey I'm out. You know, or as they say, I'm outside. You know what I mean? And, and I'm in, in the parties. I'm at all the Halloween parties. Look, I had like three outfit changes and all that. So, you know, it, it's definitely a way to show that status. Um, it's funny because listening to listening to the the chapters and listening to that, the status where we jumped straight to 11, but status and dominance, right? Um, and listening to that makes you think about you know a picture you know i'm walking a dog and i'm listening to it and i'm thinking like man and i'm and i'm also like flipping through instagram as i'm listening so there's this you know this whole dynamic that's happening and i remember flipping through it i'm looking at a picture and i'm like yo how you can look at this picture and when you see this picture you're like man damn that must have been a great party like look like they had so much fun right and then you really think about the reality of things and that chances are at that party, they could have all been sitting at separate tables, just Stand having the phones. same, yeah. And having the same conversation that they've always had with the same group of people who just decided to meet up at a party. And it, and it, you know, like it wasn't like this great time. And it makes you think about like that, that status, you know, the importance of like projecting, you know, projecting to the audience what 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 they what you think they want to see 
You know, it's interesting. I was listening. It's funny that we we're both thinking about social media while listening to this, like, uh, uh, set this set of chapters. But when he was talking about the previous chapter, so so you're talking about the status chapter, the one just before it. Yeah, and was talk, was all yeah. about tension, right? And he was like, he was it, basically the the moral of the story was similar to when you're telling a story, you want to have like a moment of tension, right? Oh. Um, and I'm listening to the chapter and I was thinking, you know what social media misses entirely is tension, unresolved tension, storytelling kind of tension. There's only really two kinds of tension, right? There's like people saying, look at me, which is fine. And then there's people saying outrageous stuff to get attention, right? So not tension, but attention. So it's kind of like really these only, only these two kinds of things, right? And I thought to myself, social media is really missing out on that tension, that anxiety that you have about, am I making the right decision? Is, is this the right product for me, right? I mean, he's talking about it in terms of products, but you can think about it in terms of like choices that you're making or this or that. Like a lot of ways you can think about like the tension and in we learned that in the previous book with story brand and the you know that whole like you know what is the thing that's pulling you along what's that anxiety and then you know in the case of Seth he would say you know show up be there for that thing whatever that tension is that's pulling people along and give it away give it away give it away and then the thing that you want to sell people will just buy that's Seth's whole like life strategy and I, and I like it but social media doesn't have any of that, right? Like social media is just purely attention for either, you know, look at me and this great picture of me on Halloween or I say something outrageous like I hate Halloween and then I get mm -hmm. a lot of attention. Yeah, it's either right? look at me or look at this thing that is stupid or look at this thing that outrageous. We need to, you know, uh, are hurting all these other people that we need to stop doing or hurting these animals, whatever. There's like, yeah, there's like, it's basically like me, I'm good. This picture that I'm posting next of something else is evil. And and, it, and that and that's literally social media. Yeah, there's know? a there's a there's a miss of that whole entire and I think that that's why I tend towards the more reedy type of social media or the listening, like I like podcasts. That's my favorite kind of social media. Mm -hmm. Right? And it is social media. Like we're Vernon and Devin. We don't have any special degrees or insights or smarts of any mm -hmm. kind right yeah so we're essentially social media but the type of social media that we are it's more conversational thoughtful long-term you know slow drawn out as opposed to outrageous yeah when i when i was listening to you know the t the tension right and the trust and tension chapter what i kept thinking about is i had a conversation a uh, couple days before reading the chapter about uh, John Calipari, uh, the coach at Kentucky, you know, had made a statement about how, you know, when he when he's coaching players that come in, he's like, listen, we don't we don't change bad habits, like we don't we don't change them, we don't we don't spend time worrying about changing bad habits. He was like, the way that we approach it is we create new habits, you know. So so you create new habits for whatever your process is. And it'll immediately replace the bad habits. But if you focus on trying to change your bad habits, chances are you're not going to win. You're not. You're not. That process is already broken. 
get rid of it. Start fresh, start new and create a new habit and a new process on how you're doing things. So, you know, when he talks about like, you know, how tension can change patterns in that chapter, that's what I kept thinking about. Like, wow, like how crazy is the timing on that? Is yeah. I'm having this conversation. That's exactly what he's talking about. It's like, you know, that breaking point of like, you know, how do you, you know, get someone to change their their pattern or their habits? You know, what pro the product that you have does it get people to change their pattern or their or their habits? You know, by by start by being that new pattern, being that new thing that's going to replace whatever you used to do. You know what I mean? And, and uh, I thought that was a dope part about it is, yes, there's that tension. And then what happens after that tension is being able to be that new pattern, that creating that new thing, you know, that's going to replace the thing that you're pointing out that's not working. Well, and if you think about it, that whole thing that he's saying, like, I am much better when... Like, who's going to take the – let's say you have a habit of going one route to work. Mm -hmm. And then somebody shows you a different route that's seven minutes faster. You're now always going to take that seven-minute faster route when given yes. the opportunity. Yes. Because the habit, the new habit, is better than the old habit. Old habit. That's, exactly. a, that's a really insightful thing for John Cobb to say. Like, yeah, right? A, you know, he's like, I'm not going to, you know – change your bad habit of dribbling left when you should be dribbling right. I'm going to invest in why you should dribble right mm -hmm. because here's the benefit and you're going to make that choice automatically because the benefit is an open look or an assist or mm -hmm. whatever it is. And that's exactly what Seth is saying. He's saying the exact same thing. You know, when he talks about, you know, trust and intention, you know what I mean? That, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about, you know, you gotta you gotta get to that point of tension of like whatever it is that you're doing, here's something that I can help you do it better. Here's something that is going to improve that period, you know, that thing that you're doing. And now you gotta create that forward motion, you know, and present that product that's gonna improve things, like a route that's seven minutes faster. You know what I mean? Like what would you rather do? Try to beat your old route and figure out ways inside of your old route to make it to work seven minutes faster? Or would you like to take this whole new route that I'm going to give you right now that I'm guaranteeing is going to make you seven minutes faster? You know, you might have to learn it, but once, you know, after learning it, it's going to be easy and you're going to begin to work seven minutes faster. You know what I yeah. mean? And that, that's how it needs to be presented that in that way. You know? So, but yeah. Dude, that's amazing. So this week I had a, I had a conversation, um, little little off the topic of the book, but on the topic of the show. Um, I had this idea. You know, you know, I read comics. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so I read basically just exclusively Spider Man, right? Um, and I go to the comic shop once every two weeks or whatever, maybe every three weeks, and I pick up my Spider Man comics, and the guy at the comic book store sets them aside, right? So he basically is like, oh, that guy who reads Spider-Man comes by once every couple of weeks and picks up Spider-Man. So any Spider-Man titles that come that come in every three weeks, he puts them aside. Nice nice deal. All comic book shops work like that, right? So you can go in, you can buy a comic random, but you could go into another comic book shop and they'll set aside what they'll they'll set it aside for you because you're a regular, right? 
And I thought to myself, like, boy, that sounds like a little business, doesn't it? Like, just a whole little business that manages setting aside comic books for comic book shop owners and, like, simplifying that process, learning about that process, right? And uh, so... I was telling Sarah that because, you know, I, you and I share this and probably the people who listen to the show uh, feel the same way. We have a million ideas a minute, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm ready to start a new business every every third day. So anyway, I was like, I bet you that a business where we emailed customers and said, here's your comics that we set aside. They're set. They're ready. And also, we think you might like these three titles. Would you like us to set them aside? Right. I swear, that was a thought I had. So Sarah was like, oh, I know a guy who runs a comic book shop. You could talk to him. I was like, all right, I'll talk to him. So I talked to him, but I used all the mom test stuff mm. that we have learned and like mm. all of the, you know, like customer discussion stuff that we have learned. And so it was very interesting. A couple of the things that like I, that I took away was like, I was like, so how, how do you, rather than tell him what I, idea I had, I had some... So how does the setting aside of comics work at your shop, right? Like I was like, at, at my shop, the guy sets them aside, whatever. He sets them aside. So I wanted to know more about how it works at your shop. And then he like proceeded to tell me. And so then I said, well, so what are you, what I thought I heard you say is that you do this. And he was like, no, 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 that's not right. <laughs> and then he like clarified the whole process for me. And then I asked him again. I was like, so what you're saying is you do this? And then he clarified it even more. He explained like how he's got a spreadsheet and how he's got a color coding system and how like this does this to let him know who he's texted and who he hasn't texted. And like he explained the whole thing. He talked about all the pain points and what he didn't like. And literally all I had to do was ask him about himself over and over again and not tell him a thing about my idea, right? Mm. And then I'm thinking like, what does that have to do with this whole status tension Seth story that really what people want is to be asked about themselves you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like as soon as you ask somebody about themselves they just give it up whatever it is and then there's this other like piece of like i I don't know i'm trying to kind of like smoosh all that together and i don't really know how to do it but man it's a powerful thing to ask someone about their way of doing things or their way of seeing the world or their thing that they're interested in. And I don't know. I don't, I don't really know what to say past that, but no, but I mean that, that, that's, that's the book, man. That's the, that's the book. And that's what he's discussing in turn. Forget the book. That's marketing. You know, that that's marketing. That's the approach that Seth is trying to coach us through in terms of the approach that we need to have with our potential customers is it needs to be, you know, about them and what are their needs or how are you trying to make their commute seven minutes faster or, you know what I mean? Like everything about marketing is not about saying, hey, I like this, so you should like it. It's actually saying, hey, uh, we're these kind of people and this is what we like. You know what I mean? And that that that's a different way of saying it is it's instead of saying, you know, this is what I like, so you like us. No, we're middle class people with 
homeowners and we care about our house. So this is the type of, you know, I don't know, uh, power Halloween decorations. Yeah, yeah, or Halloween <laughs> decorations. This is the type of Halloween decorations people like us put on our house because we care about not, you know, I don't know, not uh, ripping off the paint off of our, you know, uh, uh, siding or whatever. So we don't, we use decorations that, you know, I don't know. Stick Have these on, easy peel tabs. Easy peel. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? Whatever that is. But that's, that's what it's about. It's about going beyond just like, yo, this is good. But no, it's going to people like us who we 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 care about the quality of food, t food and taste. And, you know, food is an experience for us. We buy this. Yeah, I thought about that with, with your stuff too because, you know, you have – identified at least in conversation in the same way that I identified that stuff with the, uh, with the interview of the comic book shop, you identified similar things in your conversations, right? You were like, customers ask me, how can I make this at home? Mm -hmm. Right. People want to make the same stuff. So like the things that people are identifying are, I want the food that I'm eating to be delicious, but also mm -hmm. they're saying like, I don't feel confident that I can make do this. It. Yeah, so it, it's interesting, you know, when you kind of put it in that, like, okay, well, there's the stress, right? There's the there's that tension that's created, you know. So yeah. no, it's it's spot on. It's funny because when he gets to, you know, um, what is it, a better business plan? I believe he calls that titles that. What are we calling these things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So chapters. I think it was a better what, business plan. Yeah, what, 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 he had like what, five what? of them. I can't remember what yeah. they were though. Yeah, no, I got them. I I actually listened to that. You know, it's not long, but I listened to it, you know, at least like four times. But uh, a better business plan, he starts out with, uh, in that chapter, he starts out with, um, you know, doing how he puts together his better business plan. And it got me to thinking, like, I'm actually, the steps were truth, assertion, um, alternative people, and money were his five categories that he breaks it down into. So I went and got my little pad and I got a pencil and I listened to it probably about like four times and I started to fill in, you know, each part for the business that, you know, I've started. And then his truth, his truth was about, you know, um, what is the market? You know, what is the market you're entering? Tell me about that. Tell me about the needs of the market. What are the yeah, what are the needs what are the, the market? facts of this space? Yes, exactly. Uh, what is the what are the what's the competition like that already exists in the market? You know, what's the technology like for that market? And then what's the history of the market? What are people's failures and success in the history of the market? So I started to write down, and I'm like, you know, for me, and it's funny because for me, my my market is I have two. There's the market of the seasonings. And that to that market of the seasonings is exactly what you said. It's, uh, you know, so we'll talk social media, right? So one of our outlets is social media. We put we put these reels together, we make these videos, pictures, and we put up all these things that we're making at home, just me and my wife. And what we get is people go, oh my god, how can I get that? How can I get that? So now if we drum up a market where it's like, oh, you don't have to get it, you can make it. And there's an outlet where now we can help people solve that problem there's the tension is how do i how do i get to enjoy a meal like that and now it's like oh in the comfort of your own home and now we you know there's the recipe and the beauty of it is it's all simple i i made the other day 
uh, boneless uh, short ribs in the oven. I'm doing. I'm moving away from the grills and stuff like that because I know everybody doesn't have that. That Especially skill. this time of the year. Too. Yeah, in this time of the year, and that you know that's something that people don't really mess with as much, you know, and it's harder. But the oven, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna make my short ribs in the oven today. So I, you know, marinated them the day in advance, and then I put them in the oven, two fifty, eight hours, and at five hours in, and I season them with nothing but the Elise, the barbecue seasoning, nothing but that. Five hours in, I took them out. Got rid of the drained out the uh, fat that it the 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 fat that turned into you know juice at the bottom, and then I made some barbecue sauce which you can make easily with at least ketchup and sugar, but you could also just get sweet baby rays or you can use your own barbecue sauce that you like to make, and I poured it over the short ribs, and by I put it on for another three hours, and when I tell you, them things are unbelievable and tender, but the but the taste was was good because it replicated what I've done in the summer. But the more impressive thing is I can say to you, you don't even need a pen and paper. I can say to you, hey, if you buy this seasoning, go get you some short ribs. Cover them with this season till you can't even see anything but seasoning. You know, let them sit for some hours, possibly overnight. Throw them in a pan, turn your oven on, 250, eight hours. And you get unbelievable ribs. You know what I mean? Like you'll get high quality competition barbecue ribs. And it's simple. Super simple. Yeah. Like who can't do that? Do you did mo, mo well? I mean, I yeah, know. I better say there right. are some people that are, most, oh, did you say three fifty? Most, 350? most <laughs> ba- yeah, most baking <laughs> and cooking uh, is simple. Mm-hmm. And it's a confidence problem. Right when I yes. used to work at the seafood store, it was people were always just they were afraid to cook it, and it's a confidence problem. Yep. So you know, my again, you know, this is a little bit untested. Go back to mom test, but, um, you know, I, I definitely think like your your space, your niche, your idea that there's tension here, makes sense to me because there's tension because people have confidence problems. Yeah, and solving a confidence problem seems like something that people would pay for. Exactly. And then there's the other lane of it is, all right, well, I'm confident enough. I don't need your seasonings. And the other lane of it is, well, you know, if you don't need my recipes necessarily, why do you use the seasoning? Well, some people are okay with cooking things and get that part of it, but they don't really know how to season things or they're tired of the same seasonings. Or they have not a lot of time. They don't have a lot of time. You know, and I grew up with my mom, like, you know, it was pretty much uh, Larry's and freaking Obey on everything. And it was, that was pretty much it. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, combination salt, pepper, Larry's, Obey, with, a, you know, seasoning salt, all, all just like those basic, same flavors. Nothing aromatic at all about it. Sure. And, uh, you know, and, and my mom, a good cook, things taste good. But you tend to end up eating the same flavor, like yeah, the fish. same profile. Yes, same profile. Fish tastes like fish. Beef tastes like chicken. Chicken tastes like beef. You know, it was all it was all just the same thing on everything. And that's another lane of like, look, I know you can cook. I'm not questioning that, but I can get you. You know, there's there's this level of seasoning that I can make easy for you. You know what I mean? Like I can make this. 
this season and give you some different flavors to pair with all the great things that you already do. You know what I mean? So there, there's that lane at all as well. And then all else fails. The alternative is, hey, we can we can actually cook it for you, which is where a food truck or whatever comes in. So there's, you know what I mean? Like there's these these alternatives. And I would say where people, you know, the comp and the history and where, although I don't know the facts behind it, but I can tell you based off of what I know from my experience is if you're those in the business of selling seasonings, the one thing that they do terribly wrong is they make everything salt based and they just flavor salt. They just add, you know, seasoning to salt and, and it really becomes salt with a flavor of salt with a hint of. And it just makes it difficult to actually use. You know, I bought Montreal seasoning when I was out in Florida because I forgot to pack. Yeah, but I forgot to pack my my Montreal seasoning. Now, now I make a season that's basically Montreal seasoning. It's my own twist to it. Um, But when I used the one from uh, whatever, Weber or whatever it was. McCormick, I think. McCormick might have been one one of them. And it was so salty. Like it was so salty. And my Montreal, which is basically Montreal is garlic, onion, black pepper, salt. It's garlic, onion, and pepper seasoning yeah, is what yeah, it is. Yeah, exactly. Garlic, onion, pepper seasoning. I do the same things, but mine, you won't, like, it's not salty at all. You can, you get just the hint of salt because salt is like, you know, an, an, an tenth of one of the seasonings in there in terms of by weight. So it's not, it's that hint. So really what you're picking up is all the other things first. And then you get that salt flavor towards the end. And it's like you can't mess up. You know, like with Montreal, one one twist too much and there goes the steak. Yeah. <laughs> there goes it just tastes goes like the salt steak. now. Yeah, it tastes like salt now. And that and that's another lane that like, you know, I, I wanna provide is that. You know, and that's from experience. Having well, used also, those things, it's also in the past. like a health thing too, right? Exactly. Like people, people are going to buy into that because it is healthier, and they'll be, you know, there, there are a lot of people that are interested in lower so- sodium alternatives. Yeah, so. yeah, or even the kosher, like coarse kosher salt, like Montreal. Uh, what's what's the McCormick's version? Yeah. They don't use they don't use coarse cultures uh, kosher salt. Like if you if you if you right. looking it's at play, it, it's just play it's like it's not it's not the big chunks of salt like that. Yeah, yeah. And if they use it, they use it and also they right. use like an iodine as right. well. Cause some of that salt is put preservative. So it that's the other uh issue with it is is uh they use it for that preservative as well. Right. So it doesn't have that know, good flavor. Yeah. So there's a lot of things to it. But what it got me thinking is when I'm when I'm reading this and I went through that part of the book. It was awesome because it was like, you know, I just started filling it out like it was a worksheet. <laughs> and, it, and it just totally like made everything, you know, make sense from a, even just from a business plan standpoint. Because I was totally agree with him. When I was taking a little course at Widener and we were working on the business plan, I was like, half this stuff is just dumb. Like it's just well, it's just people making up dumb. making up numbers that they're putting into a spreadsheet to put out this other number and be like, well, if we if we sell a hundred widgets at twenty three percent, we make X. Well, how are you going to sell one exactly. widget? Exactly. <laughs> so when he said like, you know, here's a better business plan, 
and this was just the first part of it, but he had another part of it too, which I, I, I didn't write that down, but it was another part of it where it was like, it all just made, it all just made sense. It's like, yeah, you like made a business plan and boiled it down to this like real human, like, you know, conversation and not like this weird computer analytical conversation that like only 3% of the population will understand. You know what I mean? It's like, nah, here's, this is simple, you know, and it's a business plan for any scale. Sometimes your scale is like, Hey, my business, I want to make a hundred dollars a week. And then you write a business plan for that's in a scale for a business that's trying to, you know, make a hundred thousand a week. And it's like, right. you know, those plans aren't quite the same and don't need to be, you know, like if I'm making a hundred a week, really, I just need to understand my business plan should be how to get a customer. And that, that should be my business plan, you yeah. know, like how to get a customer, how to keep one. And that's what I should be working on. Yeah. I, I mean, it's interesting, you know, like to, with this, this comic book idea, like Sarah was like, well, how much money do you think you could make? And I was like, I don't know. I think I could get 20 comic book shops. There's, there's 22,000 comic book shops. And mm-hmm. I think I could get 20, 22 of them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. And, and and thinking in that scale, like, all right, well, what do I need to do in order to get 22 comic book shops to want this? Right? Like, yeah, I don't need to get 22,000. What do you need to get to do to do 22? Yeah. Right? Like, if there's already one comic book shop that has this spreadsheet and this complex system, probably you could figure that out for the rest of them. Right? Like, you could get to 22. Obviously, that's not, you know, that's not going to make you a million dollars, but I'm not trying to make a million dollars. Right. And, and I think that goes back to Seth's like, well, what was a business plan for It's to sharpen your thinking. Right. And so his approach of like, you know, what are the facts? Okay. So what are people worried about? What are the, like, it, it makes it much more natural. I think at least it did for me. I, I, I like that part of the book too. Yes. That, and that was what that you hit it on the head is that's exactly what it did. It made it way more natural. It made it like, where like any Joe could understand what the purpose of a business plan should be. Not just like, oh yeah, you gotta, you know, like sometimes it feels like with the business plan, it's like homework. It's like, it's like, it's like, listen, no offense to those with college degrees, but it's like sometimes how college degrees feel, where it's like, it's just homework. It's, It's to be able to say, yeah, I put the work and the time in. Even now, and I'm a little more trustworthy because I put the work and the time in. But that doesn't mean that I'm qualified. Well, and nor does it mean that you're providing any value to yourself for doing the thing, right? Like Exactly. Being able to write a business plan helps you sharpen your focus. I think that's a great idea, and I think that's an important skill. But in the specific case of Vernon Seasonings or you know whatever it is that I'm working on next, who knows, that thing that we're looking to do is sharpen the idea and some spreadsheet isn't valuable to me but writing down in long form like here's the reality of the marketplace helps me realize that oh you know what most people are actually buying is confidence around their cooking or you know a save time or whatever the the interest is yeah totally because i'm yo i so if you ever for kicks and giggles want to go on to um, small business uh, SBA, mm-hmm. you know, website. You They have a business plan um, there for you to kind of 
you can actually fill one out right on their website and like create your own and it's step by step. And it's like right. 40, it's like 40 something pages yeah. of like, I'd say 40 of them of nonsense. Like it's not helpful yeah. of, it's not, it's not helpful. It doesn't help you do anything. It's, it's basically like all it is is you telling somebody how deserving you are of, you know, an, a loan or whatever. And it kind of, you're like an, a loose idea of what you think the success level of what you're trying to do is going to be. Right. You know what I mean? And it, and it, but it's nothing like, there's nothing tangible to like take away for like the person who's, you know, writing it. Like I don't walk away feeling like, oh, I learned so much more about my business, you know? Right. And, and that's the thing that I think what Seth is talking about is you're actually getting it like, and while learning your, your, while writing your business plan, you're actually, you know, learning yeah. about it. Well, I think that that's a, that's kind of like the difference in the approach, right? A lot of, a lot of the business plan stuff that you read about and, uh, and, and you think about it, it's really designed for you to walk into a bank and get a loan for your business. Yes. And like, I think about like the way the world is right now. That's just Screw not that. how you, that's just not how you get a, a loan anymore. Now they're just like, Oh, just go take a second mortgage on your house. Like that's mm -hmm. how you do it. Like you don't just roll in and say like, I don't have any customers and I don't have a business, but I would like to start a business doing this. Like no matter how good your business plan is, you're not getting any money like that anymore. Yeah. But the business plans are still offering that, whereas Seth's offering this other thing. It's like, okay, well, let's refine your idea. Let's get you to something that you can sell. Let's get you to that minimum viable product that we talk about. Mm -hmm. And then let's start selling, which is essentially what, you know, the steps that you've already done. But now you're going through that process of now, all right, so you did that for your first small version of the business. Do it again. And now your answers are different than they were a year ago when you started this thing the first time, you know? Totally. Totally. It's interesting. Very yeah, no, that's great. It, it, I think you were, yo, that, that's so important for people to take away is that the old motto of knocking on the bank's door and asking for like, you know, 50,000 to start your business. Um, it's not necessary. And I know you'll, you'll, you'll be online all day and you'll hear all these people who social media is successful, who, you know, you don't know whether or not they're actually successful or are they living on credit? You know, you have no idea who, who will tell you like, you know, you know, you don't need any money to start your business, use other people's money to start your business, blah, 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 all of that. And, and everything that that conversation is about is, is all about getting money to start a business. And the one thing that I always, when I, I know you see those people too on social media or whatever, one thing that always like confuses me about that is like, where, where does the customers come into play? <laughs> like one thing I feel that Seth is doing as great is he's explaining you that to you that your greatest investor and, and your greatest investor in a business is your customer base. And if you focus on them from day one, you know, he told us a couple chapters ago, they will be your marketers. Yeah. If, if you focus on them and you make them a product that they really need and want, you know, or want because no one needs anything, but that they really want, you know, 
they will be your greatest marketers and they will open a door, introduce you to a hundred more people like them. And the, and the other slice of that, you know, is that it's, is that that's the, that's what makes capitalism awesome. Yes. Is that in order to sell somebody something, you need to imagine yourself in their shoes. You need to be empathetic to figure out what does that person actually need? And what Seth's saying is this, that need, it's it's not necessarily like, oh, I need this good. I need this money. I need this blah, blah, blah. Like sometimes it's I need this information. I need a, a helping hand. I need to go into a store where I feel welcome, right? Like all those are different, valid, valuable ways to go about it. And then if you have the thing that they need, they'll also pay you for it. And they'll market it for you. And they'll do all this other stuff for you. Yeah, you know, yeah. and like, that's the system. That's what it is. Like, I get that there's some other stuff in there too, but like, really that's the system. It's empathy. Yeah. yeah. And, and guess what? Won't do any of that for you. Mm, well. The bank. <laughs> they don't care. Bank, they're just, bank don't they're care. just <laughs> and like, and why should they? $50,000 is an insane amount of money. Like when you stop and you think about how much money $50,000 is, but it's also not an amount of money. They're like, they're like, if you don't have $50,000, I'm not going to loan it to you. And if you do have $50,000, you're not going to ask for it. <laughs> like, and so instead, find the customer and sell them one thing and then sell it to them again. And then sell it to them again. And then find yep. a second customer. You know? Yep. So. No, All right. Good, well, uh, let's, let, yeah, let's, let's cut the show and I got to get to work. So uh, yeah. where can people find us, Vernon? Uh, they can find us at the processesblackandwhite.com. Oh, the intro. Uh, oh, yeah, you intro. heard Mike's yeah, intro. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I heard Mike's intro. Mike kind of sounds like, definitely sounds like he should be on, like, TV somewhere. Right. Uh, for sure, yeah. He's got a, he's got, like, a, he's got an announcer's voice. Yeah, definitely he, he, he sent a, he sent another one, so I, I, I'll, I'll play with that. He, he, yeah, yeah, he heard this one. one. He was like, I sent another one, so I'll, I'll change yeah. that one. We'll play around with it and have some fun. I think he would be fantastic. I think like he's looking for, to try to get into, yeah, you know, maybe podcasting or who knows. But no, I, I like think it. he'd be great. The only thing that I would say, if Mike, if you're listening, we need, I, I think your voice is perfect. Don't change that. I love that. Put the, the music in the background for the irony of – the process is black and white. We need some soul in the background. I would love to hear. You want it more soulful? Well, I would not even just soulful, but like take it all away. I would love to hear like Mike's intro, but have like dreams and nightmares uh, intro oh, in the okay. background with like Mike's voice. Right? You get me? You picking it up? Right. So, like, so you have that 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 opposite thing. Yes, Mike's all voice right. and like the 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 dreams and nightmares like instrumental playing in the background like but don't change the cadence or anything in your voice mike i want it exactly like it is and then dreams and nightmares intro just the instrumental like in the background you know what i mean some with him being as crisp and clear and clean as he comes across and then have something like some hard gangster rap sound in the background yes yes (laughs) exactly like that that is that is us because it's 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 the whole idea of reaching across and being able to cover you know from from one side of america to the other side and that that's the idea so i i I love when i heard it i was like 
oh yeah, this this the voice is perfect. And I was like, change the music and we're done. Man, change <laughs> the music right. and we're done. I love it. I, I just want yeah, it could be dreams and nightmares. It could be I don't know. Some tell him find something like Well, I think he's gotta find something that's like like open. Yeah. You know, you can't just use Meek's stuff, right? You yeah, yeah, use something nah. that's like open, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll find he'll find something. Yeah. He's super creative and a, and yeah. a great guy, so he'll, he'll yeah. figure something out. Make a beat, Mike. Just make a beat <laughs> with a bunch with a bunch of bass in it. <laughs> just just hit a bunch of 808s. It'll yeah, be right. exactly. Hit some 808s and that'd be perfect. Yeah, when I heard it, that's what I was thinking. I was like, "Oh, yeah, that's it. That's yeah, it." That's but yeah man it's hey search us out on your social media platforms at the process is black and white.com and shout out to mike we're gonna get it we we, we're gonna get it all right man talk to you next week yep you too man